This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, swimming into episode number 11. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. The tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen Burgess from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I can hardly believe that we're already at episode number 11 of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. It seems like it was just yesterday that I started it, and now I'm already at 11 episodes. I hope that you've enjoyed them and that you continue to enjoy them. I don't have a lot of announcements or headlines or anything today. There's been so much going on, but I really, so much going on that I haven't been able to get things together enough to to be able to highlight something like that. But I'll try and bring you more headlines with the next episodes, get things more organized so that you know exactly what's going on and, uh, and what's current in the birth and baby world. What I do have prepared today is what I thought was a fun topic. I was inspired by this while I was reading on some forums. And what it is is things people say. So we'll just jump right into it. What do I mean by things people say? This is the kind of advice that you hear from people all the time, or I should say well-meaning advice, or maybe even criticism. But these are things that people tend to say a lot to new parents or during pregnancy. This covers babies, birth, pregnancy, all that sort of thing. I do want to apologize before I get going if you hear a little bit of background noise because I do have my baby Corwin sleeping in my arms right now and he's decided to be a noisy sleeper today. So hopefully he's not too noisy for you, but if you hear him sighing, that's what's going on. All right, so let's hop to it. Things people say. The number one thing you'll probably hear somebody say, especially if you have your baby in your arms a lot, is you're spoiling him. Is there any truth to that? Can you really spoil a baby? Uh, The general consensus is no. When you spoil things, you leave them on a shelf to rot. I believe it was the great Dr. William Sears who first put that in one of his books. Spoiling something means you leave it alone on a shelf and eventually it goes bad. You don't spoil babies by holding them and picking them up. Another great doctor, Dr. Harvey Karp, in fact, hypothesizes that the first three months of your baby's life are actually sort of like the fourth trimester, and that your baby really does need womb-like conditions, which means your baby wants to be held, wants to feel the rhythm of your breathing, hear your heartbeat, all the sorts of things that he or she enjoyed when in mama's tummy. So it's good for babies to hold them. Now when we talk about older babies and toddlers, probably for your sanity and for the ability for those little ones to explore, you're going to want to put them down some. They're going to be down crawling and playing with toys and exploring inside of your pots and pans cabinet. And that's okay. At that point, you really do want your baby or your older child, your toddler, to be down, to be moving around, to be engaged in the world, learning and expanding his or her horizons. But with a young baby, they can be held a lot. There are sometimes tricks and techniques to help teach your baby to sleep without having to be held. And things like that are, are, are putting your baby down when baby is still awake. In other words, don't nurse your baby to sleep every time. Put baby down awake so that your baby learns how to self-soothe a little bit. 
But still, those are those are preferences. Some families that doesn't matter because you don't decide to put your baby down for a nap alone. You may have a family bed and your baby is in the family bed every evening and you just all lay down together and fall asleep. So when people say that you're spoiling your baby, you don't need to listen to them. Don't worry about it. If it's bothering you because you are feeling stressed out by the fact that you can't put your baby down, you can think of other alternatives. Maybe use a baby carrier or maybe use a baby swing if you need to or a bouncer, something that gets you hands-free and still keeps baby having that rocking that he or she craves. And if you're really stressed out about sleep time, which is a time that you may hear this about, that's okay too. You can look into some gentle sleep solutions. Another common thing that people say, you can't go swimming while pregnant. It might hurt the baby. That's not true. You can go swimming while pregnant. In fact, swimming is a great pregnancy exercise. I always recommend to the moms taking my childbirth classes that they either swim daily if possible or they walk daily if possible. Hopefully walking is a possibility for everybody. But you can swim while you're pregnant. In fact, the swimming is a great therapy while pregnant. It really takes a lot of stress off of your joints it supports the weight of your belly. It's amazingly freeing. You may not want to be doing any diving, and you probably don't want to be spending long periods of time underwater, but a regular swim every day is not going to hurt you or your baby. You only need to breastfeed for X number of months. This is another one that well-meaning people try and give you advice on. And I said X number of months because it varies. You only need to breastfeed for two months or six months or 12 months. And really, that's, that's nobody's business. It's nobody's business how long you nurse. And you don't need to nurse for any predefined set period of time. And you don't need to nurse for some minimum duration and then be able to quit breastfeeding just because you've met that goal. I know a lot of moms like to set a goal. I'll nurse for six weeks or I'll breastfeed for the first five months or six months or I'll breastfeed for 12 months. And that's fine if that's a goal that you want to have. But don't let anybody else bully you into thinking that you only are supposed to nurse for a certain period of time. You can nurse your baby for as long as you want, and your baby continues to get benefits from that as long as your baby is nursing. A question that you may hear is, is your baby sleeping through the night? Well, that's really none of your business. Another thing that's nobody's business. But this is a very common question. I don't think it's the most common question that you get. I'll get to that one in a little bit. But uh, actually, I'll get to that one next. But is your baby sleeping through the night is a very common question and it seems to somehow be uh, seen as some sort of parenting accomplishment or some triumphant moment in parenting when your baby is sleeping through the night and in fact it does feel rather refreshing when you realize that your child is sleeping through the night but it's not a huge milestone to really seek especially not while you're holding a newborn baby and breastfed babies often get up to nurse many times during the night I talked about this a little bit on another podcast episode when we actually I did an interview for that episode with Malia Jacobson and I'll put that episode number in the show notes. I think it you can see it was episode 7. You can go back and see what she has to say. You can go back and see what she has to say 
about nursing babies and, and night waking because she makes the point that breastfed babies, older breastfed babies, really don't have to wake up to nurse in the night. But many families co-sleep, and it's no trouble whatsoever for mom to just roll over and nurse the child. So if your child isn't sleeping through the night and that's working for your family, then that's just fine, and you don't need to worry about it. You don't need to worry about pleasing anybody else by telling them that your child's sleeping through the night. And even if you're having trouble with it, you don't have to listen to anybody else except for people whose advice you value. If somebody asks that and no, your child isn't sleeping through the night, but yes, you really wish that he was, well, just say no, but we're working on it and let it go at that. Or say, that's a family issue, thanks for asking, and then change the subject. Because really, it's none of their business and you can figure it out without getting what feels like condemnation from other people. Here's the number one question that people get. Is she a good baby? You get this question a lot, and I'll admit that I'm probably guilty of saying something like he's a good baby or she's a good baby. Uh, but you get this question a lot, and you really are left wondering what defines a good baby? What does that mean, really? Does it have any meaning? And I think that what people are asking is, is the baby easy to care for? Is it not a high-needs baby that we're dealing with? But really, it's so hard to put a definition on what a good baby is. You just have to wonder what it means. But if you get this, uh, get this question, then a great response is just, of course, he's a wonderful baby or she's a wonderful baby. I love him with all my heart, that sort of thing. You don't have to say. And if your baby is really cranky and you were up all night last night and your baby was screaming all day yesterday, well, you can still say my baby's wonderful. I love her because it's true. You don't have to go into the details of how fussy your baby is and how that might make your baby not a good baby. It doesn't really matter. This question really has no bearing on life. If somebody's asking about you and your baby, just say that things are going well, baby's healthy and growing well, and I'm pleased to be a mother. And if that's a little white lie, that might be okay for now. And your baby, remember, will get less fussy and, uh, and things will be easier for you. And you'll feel like you have the most wonderful baby in the world. Just remember to treasure the little moments and all moments, even those with a fussy baby, can be good ones. This next one is a statement that I liked. Um, and I think it's becoming even more common. This statement, though, was actually made by an adoptive mother who probably wasn't really thinking that due dates are really just guest dates, but it's becoming even more common that people seem to think that you can plan your baby's birthday whenever you want. Our induction happy society makes that. But this statement was, how inconvenient you can't depend on the baby's due date. Like I just said, a due date is really not a due date, it's a guest date. You don't know when your baby is coming exactly. You can't know and what you can really do is just plan on it the best that you can and if somebody says something like that just say I know that my baby needs all 40 weeks and I'm comfortable waiting on my baby's timing or my doctor and I are comfortable waiting on my baby's timing that sort of thing is important there are many many reasons why it is good to wait until 40 weeks for instance your baby's brain grows enormously in size between just 36 weeks and 40 weeks 
The amount of calcium laid down in your baby's bone increases exponentially just between 36 and 40 weeks. So giving your baby those full 40 weeks is very important and waiting on your baby's timing gives you and your baby a better chance for a natural and safe birth because your body is completely ready to give birth when things get started. So regardless of how inconvenient it is, just tell people that you're happy to wait and let baby pick his or her birthday. Breastfeeding past X number of months is just for comfort, or a variation of this is breastfeeding past X number of months is really for the mother and not the child. So these are really silly things to hear people say, and it's kind of related to what I said above, if you only need to breastfeed for a certain number of months. Well, this one, people will actually tell you that it's worthless to breastfeed past X number of months, whatever that is, 6, 12 months. Usually it's 12 months. Um, but the reality is, is that your breast milk continues to nourish your baby even past 12 months, and the World Health Organization recommends nursing your child for 24 months. So keeping your breastfeeding relationship going, if that's what you both desire, is good for you. And I don't understand why the whole thing about it's only for the mom really got started because if you talk to any mom who has an older nursling, most of them will tell you that it's the child that wants to breastfeed and the mom really finds that it's kind of draining after a while and as the child gets older into toddlerhood. So nurse your baby for as long as it works for the two of you and don't worry about what anybody else says. Another one related to breastfeeding is, you know, most women can't actually successfully breastfeed. This is totally false. I'm not saying that every mom can breastfeed. There are women who have problems with milk supply or have other pre-existing conditions that mean that they can't make enough milk. And if that's the case for you, then that's fine. You can nourish your baby with formula. I recommend a proven homemade formula, which I'll link to in the show notes. But most... The great majority of women that want to breastfeed their babies can do so. Sometimes there's a challenge. Sometimes you have to make changes. Uh, Your milk quality really does depend on the quality of your diet, so you need to be sure that you're eating well for your baby. And if you eat well, it's scientifically proven that your milk will be richer. So there's a lot that you can do to help your baby. If you've already been eating an excellent pregnancy diet, you just continue that into nursing and you'll make nice rich milk for your baby. I can put some more resources about that in, into the show notes too. But, but it's really important that, uh, that you realize that you can probably breastfeed, even if it feels a little bit awkward at first, even if it takes you and your baby some time to get the hang of it. You can be successful with breastfeeding. And most women who want to breastfeed are able to breastfeed. Just stick with it. Get the support you need. La Leche League International or uh, a lactation consultant. Get somebody who can help you, especially if you don't have a lot of support at home. Your baby needs to cry to have strong lungs. This is not true. Your baby does not need to cry. As we've all heard, there are cultures around the world where babies don't cry very much at all, and those people still grow to be robust and strong people with plenty of lung capacity. Your baby doesn't need to cry to have strong lungs. You also shouldn't feel guilty if your baby does spend some time crying. 
If one were supposed to feel guilty for this, I would feel very guilty because my baby spent a significant portion of yesterday crying. But your baby doesn't need to cry. You don't need to let your baby cry. You can go to your baby and comfort him or her so that both of you feel better. If you don't start solids at four months, she won't eat real food or at six months or whenever. Usually they say four or six months. This is not true either. I don't recommend that you delay solids for a very long time, but I think the range of normal for starting solids tends to be somewhere between six and nine months, though some babies may want to start earlier. Um, I think delaying past that, you should probably look for a reason why your baby isn't uh, eating solid foods very well. But really, and in reality, babies have a window open for eating solids around the six-month mark six, seven, eight months or so, and most of them generally go at it with gusto, whether you've started at four months or six months on the dot or not. Babies who have a lot of trouble starting solids are usually babies who have other issues going on, like sensory issues in their mouth and that sort of thing. Most babies start solids and do it just fine. Some babies try solids at six months, want to have nothing to do with it, and at seven months, they want everything you can put in front of them. So it's okay to go at your baby's pace and to experiment with things. You can try purees at six months, seven months. At eight months, you can try some purees and also introduce some finger foods that are baby-friendly. I like purees because you know that your baby's getting nutrition that he or she needs, but supplementing with plenty of finger foods is also wonderful and can help entice your baby to eat more. But there's really not a window that your baby is going to miss and somehow not be able to eat unless there are other developmental issues going on. You'll never get that kid out of your bed. People say this to co-sleeping families, and I can attest to the fact that this is not true because I've had five babies who started off in my bed and five babies who left my bed with really very little uh, trauma or <laughs> any sort of emotional scarring or anything. They're all fine. They all sleep in their own beds now. And I imagine that our little Corwin, who is in bed with us right now, will be in his own bed eventually without much problem. Really, co-sleeping works very well with babies and toddlers as long as you're nursing and when you're ready to move your child into their own bed it's a transition just like many other transitions in life that your child goes through and you can both work through it children like routine they like things to be the same so there may be a little bit of protest at first because they're used to being cuddled in a warm bed with mom and dad and especially if they're going into a room alone, there may be a little bit of protest there. But eventually your child will get used to it. And when I say eventually, I'm not talking months and months and months. I'm talking a couple of weeks while you and your child get used to the new sleeping arrangements. You're able to keep your child comforted so that he or she knows that you're there, even though we're moving out of the family bed and into separate beds. And I think it's fully natural for parents to want to have their own bed back after a while. I know that I definitely do. I definitely have with my last two toddlers who were both kickers and therefore got themselves kicked out of the bed more quickly than some of the others. But Parents do want their own bed back, and you certainly get your own bed back. Okay, a piece of advice that you might get if you've chosen not to circumcise your son is that you must retract his foreskin. This is absolutely false, and you should not do it. You should not let a care provider do it. 
Um, the foreskin is fused in little young babies, and eventually, I'm talking over years, it loosens and is able to retract in a grown man. This is a gradual process that kind of gets helped along by regular cleanings and exploration and that sort of thing. But it eventually happens quite naturally without any forcing, and forcing could cause injury. So your doctor and care provider shouldn't ever forcibly retract either. They should just take a look. They might feel a little bit to see if it started retracting a lot or to see to make sure that things aren't too tight. But you should always make sure that they treat things with care and consult you before they do anything that that may cause a forcible retraction that's not ready yet. So you certainly don't need to do that. And you can certainly keep your baby boy plenty clean without ever retracting that. And as your boy gets older, you can teach him how to care for that part of his body, just like he'd care for any other part of his body. All right, you'll never be able to make love again if you co-sleep. This is not true, as is evidenced by the fact that many families have many more babies. I would recommend a larger bed. Baby can sleep on one side of the bed and mom and dad can enjoy on the other. Or the baby can sleep in the swing or something like that. Or with an older toddler, eventually you're going to go ahead and boot them out of the bed and get your bed back. But I'm certainly not recommending that you abstain until that point. Where there is a will, there is a way. And as often as there is a will, there is a way. This is a family-friendly podcast, so I won't go into a lot of detail. But just know that uh, that that part of your relationship is healthy and wonderful before you have a baby and after you have a baby. And having a baby around, even in the bed, doesn't mean that you can't have any fun. During pregnancy, you may hear something like, You're huge! How will you ever lose that baby weight? Or how are you ever going to get to 40 weeks? Don't let this get to you. I know that this gets to you because I have had people say this. I had somebody tell me when I was pregnant with my second, I think I was about 32 weeks along, in a gas station no less. This gas station attendant was assuring me that I looked like I was about to completely drop this baby and he had no idea how I was going to go two more months before I had the baby. Well, that was actually my smallest baby at 7 pounds 12 ounces, and I hardly gained any weight with him, and he came just fine on his own about 9 weeks later, or about 7 weeks later. So, when people say this to you, just try and brush it off. Women carry their babies in all different ways. It's natural for you to put on padding. Yes, you grow the baby in the front, but you put on padding all around in your thighs, in your bum, uh, maybe around your back and around your belly. That's very natural because that's all stores that are going to help you get through the intense amount of energy required to breastfeed your baby for as long as you decide to nurse. And a lot of that weight will melt away. If you really do feel like you're packing on a few extra pounds during pregnancy, then go ahead and take a look at your diet. What are you eating? Are you eating a lot of processed foods? Are you eating a lot of fast food? I definitely know there's a temptation to do that during pregnancy because you tend to be tired and you just want things to be easier. So if that's the case for you, then go ahead and cut back on those. Go back to the nourishing homemade foods. And if you really want to watch the weight, then cut down on carbohydrate foods and focus more on protein foods and good fats. Don't lift your hands over your head 
another pregnancy one. Going back to more old, old wives' tales, this one goes right along with swimming. You can lift your hands over your head during pregnancy. And there are so many old wives' tales that I couldn't even write them all down in here. But you will hear a lot of advice like this during pregnancy. If you are really not sure about it, feel free to ask your doctor or your midwife. But for the most part, old wives' tales are just that. They're old wives' tales, and you don't need to worry about them. You can lift your hands over your head in pregnancy, take things out of the cabinet. You can go swimming. You are going to be able to lose the baby weight. You will be just fine, and your baby will be just fine. And let me try and fit one more in here before I close out the podcast. I really like this one. I'm not picking on you if you have made this mistake. Um, but this is one of my favorite things that I hear that people say. They look at your twins, and you are the proud parent of a boy twin and a girl twin. And they ask you, are they identical? Like I said, I'm not picking on you if you have made this mistake, but boy and girl twins cannot be identical. They must be fraternal twins, which is one of the reasons why this is so amusing, and it always gives me a laugh. If you see boy-boy twins or girl-girl twins, go ahead and ask the parent, are they identical or fraternal? But if you see boy-girl twins, they must be fraternal because identical twins, remember, start as one egg, which splits. That egg has already been fertilized. It has already been determined if that egg is going to be a boy or a girl. And then it splits, which means that it either splits into two boys or two girls. But it cannot be a boy and a girl. So if you see boy-girl twins, you automatically know that they're fraternal. And I just like that one because it's a pretty funny one and isn't quite as serious or uh, critical as some of the other ones. But the gist of this podcast episode is that when you are a parent, People feel like it is their right to give you advice. It is their right to criticize your parenting style. The sad thing is is that you may feel some pressure from other moms and uh, your friends may say things here and there. Childless friends can be especially annoying. But you'll probably receive the most criticism from your own family. And that's hard. But remember, wherever the criticism is coming from or wherever the well-meaning but misguided advice is coming from, You are your child's parent, and you have the right to raise them in the way that you want. You've put a lot of thought into this, or you are putting a lot of thought into it now, even if it's an issue you hadn't thought about a lot before. And you have the right to make those choices that you want to make for your parent or your child. And you have the right to parent your child in the way that you want to. Um, So enjoy parenting. Take the advice. If it's bad advice, disregard it. If there may be a grain of truth to it, think about it and decide what you want to take from it. If it's good advice, you can decide to take it. But in the end, it's your choice. You can take the advice that you want to. If you're really unsure, research it. Ask your doctor, your midwife if you're pregnant. And and then decide what you want to do. Because this is your baby and you're parenting him or her. And you get to enjoy the benefits of your choices. And... Uh, And you get to enjoy your baby, who's going to be wonderful, even if they're still sleeping in your bed and breastfeeding when other people say that they shouldn't be. That's okay. All right. So this has been Kristen Burgess from Natural Birth and Baby Care, and you are listening to episode number 11. I'm still in awe of that. Episode number 11 of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. Uh, I would love to hear your feedback on this. 
If you want to, you can go to iTunes and leave me a rating. I would love a rating. If you enjoyed the podcast, let me know. Uh, If you think that I can improve, let me know about that too. I also love getting comments, so please go ahead and leave a comment. Or if you want to contact me directly, you always can. Kristen at naturalbirthandbabycare.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.